Hello, and welcome back to the Real Professional Podcast, the podcast where air quotes real professionals interview non-air quotes real professionals. Uh, we are back with our Dread X Collection collection, our collection of episodes where we talk about the Dread X Collection. So, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a really cool journey on this uh, Dread X Collection. If you aren't familiar with what it is, if you're just here for James's episode because you're a big fan of his other work, uh, you know, we've uh, gotten 10 solo indie developers together, given them the same prompt, given them a week to make a game, and uh, the results were, well, you wouldn't believe, uh, unless you believe that the games are good, in which case you'd be entirely correct. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, I've introduced this on the the intro to every single episode that, uh, you know, this, this is a really cool package because you're going to get 10 wildly different games. Uh, really, I, I really wasn't... Ex- when I started doing this, I knew I was going to get cool stuff from 10 developers, but I thought I was going to get 10 flavors of the same kind of horror game. We really got 10 wildly different games, as all of the, the developers can attest. Um, and uh, little did I know, uh, the real prize would be the friends we make along the way. Um, and the prize for you is a cheap game. Uh, $7 for the whole package. Uh, coming out uh, in early May. There's, there's a so originally it was supposed to come out uh, at the end of this month. Uh, however, uh, we ran into a little bit of a snag that I don't think any other developer has ever run into before, uh, which is that if it's the first time you're publishing a game, uh, and you have so normally Steam, it's two weeks after you set up your Steam page before it can go live. But if it's the first time you're ever setting up a game, it's actually 30 days. Um, which I don't think anyone's ever run into because most people aren't uh, creating and putting out games uh, in you know less than thirty days, which we did. Um, so we're we're we will be up on Steam soon. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and uh, also, a trailer is going to be dropping soon, and uh, some cool new information about uh, what, what what you're going to be getting in the package. So uh, seven bucks gets you ten games. Um, I, it's at this point, uh, I have played back-to-back all the games, and uh, I clocked it in at about nine hours of content, which is uh, pretty nuts for a $7 package. Uh, seven, I mean, you know, in very, very different games. And uh, the most important thing is that uh, I, I get to make a million dollars. No, the most important thing is that $2 of that goes to uh, Doctors Without Borders, because we believed that that was going to be... A- a really important part of uh, you know our ethos going forward with this package. So, um, I think I think I explained it well enough. If I missed any parts, just go ahead and listen to all the previous episodes because they all have a spiel. And I think I, I dropped one hint in the beginning of each episode about something secret. So you have to listen to all of them uh, and then decode with the secret message. So let me know when you do that. Um, and without further ado, uh, we're here with James Rag today who uh, is also known as Lovely Hell Place, also known as uh, I don't know, some other stuff. He's, he's an artist. He goes by a lot of names. So we'll, we'll figure out his whole body of work from uh, birth till now. It's going to be a long, in-depth interview. Uh, very dry one to now. James is a great guy. Very, very interesting. And uh, I'm really excited to hear what he has to say about his game Shatter. Um, so without further ado, DJ, drop that sick beat.
two, one. James, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah. How are you? Uh, I'm tired. Um, it just goes to show how much respect I have for your work that I'm like up at some recording this at 10 a.m. And I, I don't get up before noon for shit. <laughs> so. Oh, man, I'm, I'm tired, too. I think I've just like built up a massive sleep debt from just um, the the hell of going through a seven day development. So, no, I'm joking. It was really <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing is that if, if uh, as you know, James has, of course, listened to all the previous episodes because he's very, very good at uh, this whole, you know, team spirit thing. But everyone else has been saying the same thing is like this seven day dev cycle is is really not like. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a crunch, but they don't they they haven't come out the other side feeling destroyed by it. No, I I feel really yeah quite fulfilled and satisfied by um, yeah because it's just um, an opportunity to I'm kind of impressed at how much everyone's done in this time. Um, everyone has I would not have guessed any of these games took only seven days, so it was like it was hard, but the results are like really satisfying. Yeah, no, that's what I keep saying. And like, I, I can't wait for people to actually, so I've started um, secretly sending out a couple of playtest games to people to get some QA analysis on it. And the reaction I'm constantly getting is this was only made in seven days. This is crazy. And I'm like, yep, it was only made in seven days. And and then <laughs> it, it is crazy. Cause this is like, we're getting a lot of really, really good stuff in just these seven days. Um, although I will say um, if we do a second one, I will probably change it to not necessarily seven days, but X amount of hours done within probably two weeks because, uh, you know, we were running into a lot of issues where someone's like, hey, my, like, you know, mom is sick. I got to go deal with that. And I'm not going to be like, no, it's a seven day deadline, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so probably the next one, I'll just give people like X, uh, how many hours is in a day how many working hours are in a day because like in my brain i'm so fucked right now because like you know i i work so much during my day i'm like yeah 14 hours a day that's like normal <laughs> yeah i think like yeah, like seven or eight is normal right like oh. that's like a a kind of healthy gonna live beyond middle age kind of working <laughs> uh working schedule <laughs> um well, the funny thing is, like, when I was working in an office, so before I was um, doing this full time, I was I was doing two years in the AmeriCorps, which is like stateside Peace Corps, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I was working for the uh, city of Phoenix, and um, I took a big bite of my protein bar before I started the story. I probably <laughs> rethought that. I was trying to take bites when you were talking. It's but, funny. It, it, it's a long story. You need the energy. Well. No, because this is how my brain went. This will show why I don't wake up before noon. In my brain, I thought, oh, this story is like on autopilot. So my mouth can do other things while I'm talking. <laughs> so I was like starting to chew because I've told the story before. And I was like, oh, wait, no, I need my mouth to actually tell the story instead of be chewing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was a bad play. So I, that's that's how tired I am right now. But um, <laughs> anywho. The point I'm making is that, uh, what was it? Oh, yes. Um, I, I kind of realized that, like, in, in terms of normal working day, um, I don't think a person actually works eight hours a day when they're working in an office. Because um, I'd, I'd, I'd be like, okay, here's all my tasks for the day. 
and I could knock it out in like an hour. And then I'd just be like, oh, now what do I do? And I realized that like everyone else was like just trying to look busy, like kind of constantly. You know, there's like that, that kind of office like, oh, I'm so busy right now. And like really they're just like taking like six minutes to open each email. <laughs> like, I mean, it comes back to this. Yeah, I mean, um, it comes back to this like debate about the five day working week. And I, I do think that so many jobs, so many like office jobs are essentially people doing kind of nonsense work like. They're, they're, they're having meetings about other meetings and, you know, like scheduling in, talking about printing off this. Thing. I don't actually know that much what it's like to work in an office because I work in my attic. But that's what I imagine it's like, just meetings about meetings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so really we should all have uh, – I think, I think uh, the world would work just fine if everyone worked like um, – a four day working week, I think. And we'd probably all be happier and more creative and, and stuff. But yeah, well, I think, I think that, uh, we would be better if we just worked when we needed to like, I don't know, work. Like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like some, there are certain jobs out there that, uh, do require you to like be on for the whole time. And they're usually jobs that like mm. don't pay super well, which is weird. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a UPS driver or like a FedEx guy. Like, he probably works harder than a dude that works yeah. in the office. Oh, completely. Like that it's the weird kind of uh flip reversal of capitalism that like um you really need like hospitals to be clean, yet the the cleaners, you know, who are doing those jobs are one of the most important uh kind of people involved in that process. Um, right, yeah. Uh, it, it is it is not to say that, you know, doctors don't work really hard because they do. Well not <laughs> yeah. Not I, England, like, your doctors are shit. No, I'm just <laughs> more like a, more like everyone's as important as each other. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying that doctors shouldn't be paid really well for the amazing work they do. Just that we we kind of overlook and don't champion people who do work that we see as more menial, but it's actually like really hard and should be championed just as much. I don't know. No, oh, I totally I, agree. Jesse, go ahead. Yeah, this I is a uh, to, to advocate for the socialist upright. The sorry, Maoist. Yeah. Oh, I was just yeah. gonna say, uh, yeah, sanitation workers are probably the, my favorite members, like the most important members of society. Like <laughs> the ability to get rid of all of our feces and garbage is like you don't, you really do take it for granted. And like the second like my toilet stops working, I will go into anaphylactic shock. I will, <laughs> I will, uh, literally panic. Oh man, there's, um, there's a book I was reading called the Imperium, um, uh, about a, um, Warhammer? Polish journalist, uh, no, no. <laughs> different Imperium. It's actually about the, um, fall of the Soviet Union. Um, the Imperium being, uh, how he refers to the Soviet Union. And, um, it was talking about, um, I forget which of the kind of satellite countries, um, he was traveling in the Soviet Union, but during that full period where where everything was crumbling, um, he stayed in an airport where um, so many people were waiting for flights, um, and some people have been just waiting in this airport for like a month, and Oof. families just kind of living there. And he just described going to the bathroom, and it's like the um, toilets had uh, long ago just overflowed with feces, and then people had just started using the the like. Um, the bit outside the toilet and then people started going in the 
in the hallways and it's just like how quickly when people don't show up to work because the system is crumbling like how quickly everything just turns um you know quite literally to shit yeah i remember (laughs) like uh what was it like a year ago when the government the u.s government was shut down um the only reason that it like went forward was because uh airline workers who had been described as non-essential but were still working because they're essential were like Mm. gonna we're like yeah i'm I'm tired of not being paid uh i'm gonna go home and like immediately immediately like they were like okay we're we're gonna we're gonna open it up back we're gonna open it yeah and it's like oh uh yeah that's all it took to potentially shut down the united states like yeah. airline airline workers doing a like a, a mass sick call-in um mm. so no yeah i was just gonna say that it, it just goes back to our original point that um that it's actually the more menial tasks that are some that, that are pretty much the some of the most important to society oh, it's the, like ceos who could probably go <laughs> yeah they they do nothing i mean the current uh situation with covid is a perfect example like um, mm. you know, the economy didn't shut down because CEOs can't work. It's because the labor, yeah. the people doing the labor can't work. Yeah, I always, exactly. I always say like, you know, if you had, you know, $5 million worth of gold, but it was still in the mountain <laughs> and you had no way of getting it, then you don't have $5 million worth of gold. You have nothing. <laughs> so yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah. I um yeah the one the way that I've uh you know things have been run at Dread Central for a long time and also at uh, Dread XP is that people get paid for their work. Actually, um, funny enough, at this point, um, this month, and I I, I won't go into specifics, but Jesse's actually making more than me this month, so because <laughs> uh, he's editing all the podcasts and picking up a lot of the slack on the website stuff Woo. that uh, we can actually afford budget to pay for. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, but um, you know that's that's what I I I do believe that it's like the 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 money shouldn't just go to the people that own the things. Um, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into like owning a thing, but that's assuming that like we all start on the same base like level playing field. A lot of people don't do their work to own the thing; they just like have money that was given to them so they could buy the thing to own the thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, every part of the building is important just because the you know concrete foundation is not expensive doesn't mean you can't you know just put up a bunch of expensive glass windows and hope that they'll float in the air and create a building that's a dumb <laughs> that's a dumb analogy i don't know why i said that no, well, no, I, I mean, um, go ahead I don't know. Uh, well i mean like uh, obviously i'm in britain and um we have uh one of the biggest tragedies recently was the uh grenfell flat um fire oh, yeah, yeah. it was all due to uh, crappy cladding and just oversight on um easily avoidable oversight um due to wanting to cut costs yeah, um, yeah tragic um, i thought your i thought your greatest tragedy recently uh was boris johnson's ascent to power <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's certainly uh, up there so, yeah yeah um I, I have a fr- I have a, I have a good fr- I have a good friend named uh Tanavi who is a doctor in uh i don't know 
bum sex. So I'm going to just guess bum sex, uh, <laughs> which is, which is a town, I think. I don't know. Fuck it. Uh, and, uh, she, she's, she actually is like, you know what? I don't necessarily agree with all of his politics, but he's a very good politician. She's like secretly conservative. She's a, she's a Brexit lady, um, <laughs> which is, uh, not what I expect. Cause she's, uh, also, um, like, uh, uh, what's the word I'd use for her? Uh, she's eccentric. Oh, she's fun. Ten, ten of eight, you're great if you're listening. Um, and uh, what was I going to say about that? I don't remember. Oh, I, I do remember what I was going to say, uh, which is a different side tangent. So uh, I was talking to uh, one of our my L.A. friends, and uh, they were saying, yeah, you know, this, um, this, uh, this shutdown is, is terrible because one of my friends owns all these buildings and he can't evict any of his tenants when they're not paying rent. Oh God. And I was like, I was like, Hey, like, listen, I understand that you're, your your friend that might be uh, unable to evict uh, the poor people living in his house because they can't work might be feeling a little bit of a crunch, but uh, he's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't really have sympathy for him. It's a I, shame. Yeah, I, all these landlords who are living other people's paycheck to other people's paycheck. Yeah, it's rough. It's 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 he's he's like, yeah, well, he put like a, you know, a quarter of a million dollars into this development. And I was like, yeah, you know, he had a quarter of a million dollars to drop on this development. Like, he's going to be OK. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I shouldn't shit on LA people too much, though, because uh, I, I made a, a joke about uh, some. This is why I hate L.A. Um, I made a joke in one of the previous episodes of the podcast about a guy from LA uh, living in a bubble. And uh, because his business, he was, he said something along the lines of, uh, uh, you know, I just thought everyone had everyone else's best interests in heart. And uh, I think the joke specifically, Jesse, if I, if I recall was, um, you know, until he reached the, the ripe, young age of 38 and his job as a uh, like a, a carnival ride tester didn't work out which is like an la job like then he he enters into the real marketplace and he's like oh i just didn't realize that not everyone's just super nice and it's just the la bubble anyways one of his friends was not the guy that said it the guy that said it was uh is too uh affable to really care but one of his friends now has a, a a deep vendetta against me because uh apparently when you don't have to like actually like struggle for your work like to like live and you instead have one of these like fake jobs and i, I do say that from the ivory tower of being a video game journalist so like i have a fake job yeah but i worked hard to get this <laughs> i worked very hard to get this fake job okay I, um, yeah you got to be well aware that your job like video game journalism is one of the most bullshit jobs out there and, yeah, you know, no, none of I'm us, grateful. none of us would, none of us in this call right now would make it on the spaceship to like the Mars colony to survive for the collapse of the <laughs> no. planet. We're all redundant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least, at least you're trying to say clever things about completely made up bullshit. I'm just making made up bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I just got to get my apocalypse skills good so that when eventually the the essentials leave the planet, like I'll just be good in the wasteland. Yeah, yeah. I just accepted that I'm going to be killed and, you know, my body turned into biofuel for, uh, you know, Morton Joe's war rig. Like, can it please happen faster? Yeah, just get it. You know what? This whole life thing, I could take it or leave it. I'm over it. (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, um, 
Oh yeah, we made we made a video game. We should probably yeah. talk about that at some point. James, oh, yeah, video who games. are you for everyone that doesn't know who you are? Oh god, that's a that's a kind of philosophical question. Um, who am I as a kind of? So good thing you have like a you have a wanky rambling website that'll go over all those details. Of who you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm um, a game developer kind of by night and a and an animator by day i guess like my day job uh, i make 2d animations mainly for bands and stuff and then i'm kind of more and more uh, edging into making some of my income from um creating strange low poly lovely hell places um <laughs> yeah so my main game that i'm developing at the moment is called dread delusion which is a lo-fi um kind of ps1 looking rpg set in a kind of um red sky with a giant inflamed neuron star for a sun and a, a big castle and lots of weird characters um and the game i made for this is shatter which is set in a ruined kind of semi-apocalyptic britain um so I like making weird places that you can run around in, basically. Yeah, I think you're doing a, a disservice to Dread Delusion um, because it, it's like a really, really gorgeous game. Um, like the PSX aesthetic has has really kind of come into its own, but there's like you you really kind of break the mold of what you expect from the standard PSX aesthetic. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, the, the soundtrack um, that combines very, very well with these, these fluid visuals that are like the, the, the skeleton, the, like the, 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 the beauty of dread delusion is that you spawn in this graveyard and in the distance, in the great distance is this towering city uh, that seems to be kind of um, uh, though gargantuan, it's still isolated. It's it's often the distance kind of suspended in the sky, and then mm. there's this giant red sun thing that is also bound by these magical tethers, and uh, and then you know, but on the in the on the very surface of it, just kind of in front of you, are these these silent, solitary, floating skeletons that kind of just meander about. So there's like. This, this, it's like the, there's a grand scale to it, but also a complete emptiness that is immediately translated in the visuals. Wow, thanks. That was a much better description than mine. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why uh, I'm a writer. I get paid the big money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah um, and I think like a key thing that I want to capture in my games is um, like weirdly, like one of the first things I started out as was. Um, uh, I actually have a, a small sideline in book cover photography <laughs> um, and um, like I used to work at a stock image company that specialized in book covers and I spent a lot of time thinking like how do you make someone buy a book that they glance at briefly as a tiny thumbnail on an Amazon web page and actually those skills translate fairly well into like how do you catch someone's attention when they're scrolling through a Twitter feed full of amazing indie games. And um, my idea was like, make the sky red, put a big castle in it and, and a weird sun and some floating skeletons. Um, that's <laughs> different. And, and like bump the saturation. So it kind of shines out. And yeah, uh, I think um, 
yeah, people seem to notice it. Oh, <laughs> um, well, I noticed it for sure because um, so I discovered Dread Delusion when it was on the Haunted PS1 demo disc, mm. uh, and uh, when we started doing this project, I was just like, "Let's get that guy because he's I really like it. I'm I'm actually one of your uh, your patrons on uh, Patreon, yeah. Which I, I try not to subscribe to every. I try to subscribe to as many people as I can. Um, but it's, it's, I, I usually, uh, keep it low because I can't subscribe to everyone out there, you know? Mm. Um, but I, I honestly wanted to see Dread Delusion get done. And I think that's a good way to do Patreon is like, I, I actually do want to see this one get finished. So I might as well give a few dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I tried to keep it low. So yeah, like you can get it for, um, $2 on my Patreon. Um, and a lot of, um, other patrons are like five dollars and i wanted to keep it low partly because it's like an alpha but also just so everyone can kind of be involved and i um, you know um it's quite a achievable mm-hmm. amount yeah. um yeah. yeah yeah it's not a, it's not a it's not a huge ask for the two dollars on a, a patreon um and uh but I, I do think that um you were probably one of like the three standout games on the, the haunted PS1. I'm trying to think. I, I really liked yours. I liked Filth Breed, and I liked. Um... Yep. Yeah, but Fatum Betula is a really great one as well by Bryce, and I think it, that's just got a wish page, a, a wish list, come up on Steam. Uh, that sentence didn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> how? Yeah, there's a thing called Steam. I think it's like a. Yeah, uh, we're gonna a, we're gonna be on that soon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like the haunted PS1 demo disc in general, like did so much for my, um, I guess people's awareness of the game. Like I got um, so much attention from it. It was such a cool and hugely useful and an amazing thing to be part of. And the haunted one PS1 community um, is such a great community. And they've got a Discord where you can just kind of scroll through an endless feed of amazing creations that people are making in this um lo-fi ps1 aesthetic um it's a real kind of blossoming scene at the moment which i think oh, is yeah. really going to spill over into the kind of new indie aesthetic yeah um yeah the only thing i i uh, i really like uh what haunted ps1 is doing with trying to promote these creators the only problem that i have with it is that and i wouldn't even say it's a problem the biggest issue with that format is that how does one shine uh, like how do you so with like with the uh, with the DreadX collection, um, you know we were we have we had money to offer up front. I, I don't really I I I know that uh, Haunted PS One takes donations for their games, but their games are essentially just um, you don't make the game for the Haunted PS One collection. Like you were making a game and then it was added to that, correct? Well, it's uh, it, the whole thing was there was a demo disc, so we submitted demos for like a full product that we were working on. So yeah, no one made any money um, and that was always intentional from the start. But the point was to kind of like direct players to uh, where they could buy the full thing um, or to get them anticipating when the full thing comes out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to distinguish that um, the difference between something like the Haunted PS1 demo disc and the Dread X collection is that like the games in the Dread X collection were made and created for the Dread X collection and like created to be marketable like 
games well, rather than right. They're also full things. Like the the Dreadx collection games have a beginning, middle, and an end. Um, they're complete end products. Um, yeah, that, I th- I'd say that's like the main difference. Uh, yeah, well, and and I would say that like you know basically uh, they're they're like uh, you know it's like a, the the prompt for the whole thing was PT, and the PT has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's but it is also an introduction into the the world of Silent Hills that never got to see full fruition, which is, you know, mm. one of the reasons why the game is so legendary. But uh, basically I was, you know, when I, the, 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 the prompt for this was make a game that has its own beginning and middle and end, but is also the introduction to a larger world. And um, I think yeah. that pretty much all the de- developers delivered on that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually all the developers delivered on that. Um, not pretty much literally all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, um, I've played like most of them now, I think. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of like blown away by, uh, everyone's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved, um, uh, I also just listened to the, your podcast with, uh, Torpal Dork. I don't know. Is that how you pronounce Torpal Dork? Torpal Duke. <laughs> Torpal Duke. Okay. Yeah. I just call him Reed because that's his name. Um, I'll just kick. I'll just continue like completely butchering his his fake name, but <laughs> um, <laughs> no, like I really love like Hand of Doom, especially with the. Um, I love games where you're dropped into a little world and you can just like speak to weird people. Um, I don't know if you've noticed about my games, but I love, um, yeah, I love his like voice acting with all these strange wizards and figuring out all those spells, like, mm-hmm. um, and that's. That's like so different from all the others. Uh, there's such a like diversity of um, content here. Yeah, what, uh, it really is. What kind of? What's your favorite game where you just where where it has weird NPCs that you talk to? What are your favorite um, weird NPCs? Um, well, again, like for my own inspirations, like probably my f- core. One of the first games that got me into game design in general was um, Lilith Zones. Crypt Worlds, which came out in like 2013 and is a kind of super, it was the first game I ever played that messed around with the lo-fi um, kind of early 3D aesthetic in this really like playful way. And it's just set in this bizarre kind of uh, glitched out N64 world with little 2D sprites um, who are all uh, very strange, surreal people. And it's it's like really funny. It's a hilarious game, um, but also um, kind of shows how a solo developer can use this style to create this um, artistic vision of a world that also has so much unique personality that you don't get in like a bigger AAA game um, or, or something where there's been like, hundreds of hands touching that product like um yeah, i think that that's is, yeah that is a uh, the best part about i mean the smaller the game the more closer to the original artistic vision it is like once you get yeah. so many people i mean you know it eventually just becomes its own like it becomes a product of nobody when it's all you know five thousand yeah. people are working on it um, yeah what was this game I called think- again um crypt worlds um it's just a it's a free game um it's um like quite a small it's quite big considering it's a a free game i think um the author has just also released um her follow-up which is crypt 
City, is it? Um, I don't know. I've downloaded it. I've not um, played it yet, but I think she's been working on that for like five years or something. Um, Sounds pretty cool. It was like Kickstarter ages ago. But yeah, I'd, I'd really check out her stuff. Um, but other, otherwise, I guess the other in on the other end of the scale, on the kind of um, AAA end of the scale, I I do rather love um, kind of Bethesda game worlds and. Like Morrowind is a big inspiration for me, um, where you can just kind of like explore this vast place and and there's just like, you know, you you walk for like five miles and get attacked by rabid dogs and then you just come across a hut and there's just like a dude um, like sipping some skooma and he's like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, or like Deus Ex. I don't know. I just think that, um when 3D games figured out that you could have NPCs that you didn't necessarily have to attack was like a real kind of light bulb moment for storytelling in the game industry. <laughs> definitely. I guess. Definitely. Shit, what were we talking about before? Sorry, to, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, I, I, just... I, I, just, I just started looking at Crypt Worlds and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> it's really weird um but also uh amazing um yeah i'd recommend anyone to check that out Um, it's also like yeah i love like the website has like uh awards and endorsements in the shadows of nintendo hq a a cabal of professional game critics toil away performing unholy unholy rights with the pure blood uh i'm gonna stop reading this because it's just (laughs) incredibly weird and goes on for a while the point is it's weird and good yeah, yeah. <laughs> who is the person that made this um lilith lilith zone um she um kind of made this and then she's just been toiling away on um crypt underworld is it um i've uh, got it in my itch library but I, can't I have no idea who this person is. How have I never heard of this person? Uh, I'd say she's like really influential among, um, like I'd say most people in the haunted PS1 community know who she is, but you go outside of the haunted PS1 community and she's not as well known. <laughs> Maybe yeah. uh, one of these people is hugely influential, but um, also quite unknown. Um, yeah, I should I should see if. She wants money to make a video game. Cool. <laughs> uh, no, I um now it's like uh, whenever I look at a, a an indie creator now, I'm also like, I wonder what they could make in seven days with this other problem <laughs> I've been thinking about. <laughs> you know, so um so uh yeah, shatter. Um, we should probably talk about that a little bit. Uh, or dread delusion. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh. But uh, when we the so I actually kind of wanted to get a little bit into um, what you've been uh, kind of your inspiration behind it because we we so when we started this project um, I like cold called people and I was like do you want to make a game in a week and they're like okay and uh, <laughs> then I I said do you have a really strong solid idea of what you'd want to make and they all said oh most definitely and then we all hung up and then we all went and created our strong solid ideas. <laughs> And uh, uh, when we had our initial call, it was like everyone had a very different idea. And uh, when you were like, we were like all pitching our, our creative ideas. 
you were like, okay, I, I either want to do post-apocalyptic Britain or space bugs. And I was like, okay. do both. We, were, we were just like, do both. Like, why not do both? <laughs> and you're like, you're right. Like, why not do both? And then you did both. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I just have like notebooks full of like really weird ideas. And I just kind of picked two of those. And uh, uh, I get, yeah, like threw them into the cool. And then, yeah, you were like, why don't you combine those two really weird ideas? <laughs> um <laughs> But I think with me, like my game design ethos, I guess, is to, uh, again, kind of thinking about how you can like stand out and make something kind of slightly different. I think I always want to put something really weird in the image and almost then like work backwards to try and figure out um, a kind of story as to why that is the case. So with this... um, like the weird bugs i just had this like visual image of like a um you know some sort of kind of like barren landscape but then just like this weird glowing neon bug in the distance um just because that's uh weird and makes you ask questions uh, and you're like that's interesting but then in chatter it kind of became that these um giant bugs are part of um, a kind of augmented reality neural network that everyone is connected to in the future. So I guess it's the idea that like eventually, like, so what's the next step of um, like computers, right? It's probably augmented reality. Like we're not looking at screens all the time anymore. We've just got like contact lenses um, and we'd like to speak to each other like holograms in star wars right Mm -hmm. that could very well be how technology looks in like 50 years or something um and then you take that to the next level and like oh um uh well that and biotech means that maybe we actually have that like genetically implanted in us um so um it's not contact lens anymore it's just kind of like part of our um like it's like a hormone or, or you, you know it's it's part of our kind of biochemistry that we've just kind of coded that into our biochemistry um and then it's like okay that's great uh, and now what happens when like a society like that completely collapses and um the network gets completely corrupted and overrun by hostile rogue weird ais and those ais kind of establish themselves as a new new gods within this system uh, I don't know. Let's make a game about that. <laughs> um, so um, the idea with Shatter is that um, I've been reading most of my game ideas come from um, kind of being inspired by other games, but then also reading weird um, old nonfiction books and stuff. Like I got out this like book on Celts from the 90s, like this big picture book on Celts. Um, like for like 20p or something from a secondhand bookshop i just started reading loads about pagan gods and um the idea was that these ais kind of work similarly to old pagan gods in britain and so you have this this weird reversal of as society crumbles we end up um reverting to this um kind of 
pagan existence where we have to leave offerings for gods and enter into these contracts with gods because interestingly like you can you can see the traces of capitalism in um paganism where people would actually they they talk about making actual contracts with gods like you would leave um uh an offering of food or or something special to you um you'd leave it for that god and you'd be entering into a contract and it's like i want you to fulfill your side of the bargain and i want you to um, ensure my crops grow um and the idea here is that we're kind of returning to that except that god is an ai that can um uh look (laughs) the idea is that your crops are in some way connected to the network network as well like everything uh organic is now um somehow connected to this kind of network of information and so the gods actually do have some control over um almost every aspect of life including um crops and viruses and they are now in this backwater britain kind of more powerful than governments um i just went on a very long ramble about my weird ideas um now you can say something. <laughs> I'm sure I could say something, but I was enjoying listening to the things. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely get what you're, you're, you're I, I get what you're selling. Like, I, I, I get the pitch. <laughs> it, it works. Um, I, I was just thinking the, the, the ironic thing is that, like, at least the gods of the ancient pagan capitalism, like, followed through on the things that they would say <laughs> they would do. They're usually, they were usually bound to do so. I yeah. mean, it's like, look, say what you will about that guy dragging uh, per, his uh, girlfriend out of hell or Hades. What was that? That <laughs> what was that myth? It was the guy bringing his girlfriend out of Hades, and if he looked back, she would vanish back into the underworld. But like, uh, if he had gone the whole way without yeah, looking back, yeah. she'd be out of the underworld. I think you're yeah. that Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> Not Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> I forgot the name of that one, but yeah, that's a that's a classic. <laughs> Is it Orpheus? Um, I'm trying to think. Is that Orpheus? Is that that one? Maybe. Um, yeah. Um, I did uh, listen to a Stephen Fry narrate the whole um, Greek pantheon of gods, but I'm terrible with names. I've just forgotten all the names. <laughs> no, the funny thing is, is that uh, so much of our knowledge and memory of that era is so heavily warped by the different perspectives over time in the retelling of those yeah. stories that we have almost no perception of what it was like actually like to believe in that pantheon, you know, like yeah. uh, one of the things that is, is kind of oft repeated is uh, that, you know, the Greeks and the Romans had the same gods, which actually isn't true. Um, they, they had a lot of the, the same, basically the gods were um, similar in name, but the concept of the two gods was very different because the Greeks actually believed that um, like they lived somewhere. Like they were like, oh, they live on Mount Olympus. That is where they live. If you want to, if you climb up there, you will meet Zeus. Whereas the Romans, um, they, they didn't believe their gods had like a corporeal form. They thought they were like entities, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like a, yeah. A lot of people believe that, uh, you know, Jesus, Lord and Savior, whatever, I don't, whatever religion you believe, I don't give a shit. Uh, they believe that that one is, is like a sky spirit and that mm. our, our spirits are intangible. Um, but they were like, no, I mean, if you go in a cave deep enough, you'll walk into the underworld. Like, that's what the Greeks thought, but the Romans didn't really think that. 
And also another interesting one um, is that Poseidon, the god that we so often associate with being the god of the ocean, there's a lot of debate about that he was not actually the god of the ocean, that he's just the god of the earth, because Poseidon literally translates to earth husband. Um, mm. And if you look at the pantheon of the Greek gods, uh, you had Hades, who was the like one of the three kind of brother gods that were in charge of different aspects of existence. So there was Hades, who was the uh, the, the 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 god of the underworld, the god of the spirits. There was uh, Zeus, who was the god of the heavens, which literally like was the sky, but it was also where the gods lived. He was like the god of the gods. And then there was Poseidon, who was the earth. And he was also the god of horses and earthquakes, which would make a lot of sense for, you know, the god of the terrestrial plane. Um, and then, you know, you you try and define these, these parallels between religious beliefs over time. That three-god structure uh, with the, the god of the heavens, the god of the earth, and the god of essentially the afterlife, well, that sure does sound similar to this thing that Christians like to talk about with the Holy Trinity – of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, which other than the fact that it is the rule of threes, like the significance of that is, unless you're raised believing in Christianity, I don't know how religious you are, James. I'm not, I, I was raised religious. I'm not terribly religious now. Um, but uh, that when you're raised believing in that Holy Trinity, it sounds very important. Uh, but when you're not in that structure, you're like, wait, why does this, this three matter? And they're like, cause it's the Holy Trinity. And you're like, but like, what is the Holy Trinity? Like, why does that matter? And, and there's like, not a, like, and then you have to get some historical context to it because, you know, the Christian, the modern Christian um, ideology does rise out of, you know, the traditions of mm. old. I mean, where do you, where do you think Easter comes from? Easter is literally yeah. named after one of the, you know, pagan gods called Easter. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, well, that's because you know, like, um, you know, when Christian, uh, our version of Christianity is merged with pagan religion because, um, when, um, Christianity came to, oh, I say, uh, I mean, mostly in England, um, when the Roman Catholic Church came to England, there were loads of concessions made to, yeah. um, to basically sell Christianity to, to the, to pagans. Um, and, um, most saints, um, were actually just pagan gods that got kind of, transferred over um yeah yeah it's true it's a real kind of like business like uh mentality to it of um kind of um uh, slowly converting people and luring them over um yeah um yeah but also mean, what, the, the thing about the threes um and the similarities between religions like um there's a great kind of wikipedia deep dive article um this i think it's like the proto indo-european religion that's um like the theorized religion um where all other religions came from and it's this idea that um in kind of india asia europe like there was originally um this kind of one religion that spread across everywhere with much more simple um kind of versions of all these gods like um uh, you know, um, you had like a dawn god and a sun god, and 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 most religions can trace all those god their gods back to um, that kind of earlier proto religion. And also, most uh, many religions have uh, the Noah Noah's Ark story um, pop, pops up in like lots of other religions. I think it might be is it like Giglamesh? Um But yeah, there's like um, these overlaps and parallels with lots of the same story. Obviously, um, Pandora's box um, 
I think has massive parallels with um, the Garden of Eden. Also, the Garden of Eden is propaganda because um, snakes were a revered, sim- revered symbol in, in pagan ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a snake was like a holy symbol. It was a good symbol. And obviously druids um, and, and um, pagans like lived harmoniously with nature. And, um, uh, you know, um, the kind of Christian um, kind of Garden of Eden story is kind of saying, um, actually, don't don't listen to those droids. The snake is a bad symbol. The the uh, the snake is is hell uh, is sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't. Uh, I as you can probably tell from me talking, I'm not personally <laughs> religious. Yeah. I was raised in a hippie school where we we learned all religions equally and. um but also i don't i don't i'm not like a kind of um a militant atheist or anything i'm just i just describe myself as uh indifferent um i i if if people uh believe that the garden of eden was literally true um yeah fair dues but you know if that makes you happy sure yeah. yeah, what I was going to say is that, you know, when you're when you're talking about this the synchronicity between religions, there's two ways that people usually take that. A is, oh, there's some kind of uh, there's some kind of compelling nature to the story that makes it so that it resonates with people and it's repurposed throughout time to then uh, mm-hmm. make sense and and then and not and then to, you know, draw people into various religions, which is why you hear the same kind of stories over and over again. And then the other take is. Uh, oh, because it happened, and the other religions were lies, and God did that, but now we know the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, well, no, so even though, um, even though I'm not religious, I do get a sense that like um, religion does have something to offer that I think we've kind of lost in the modern day. Like our current religion is like uh, like social media. Like we we humans need something to cling to to give meaning to their lives and for a long time like religion was uh was that um it um it's starting to kind of be replaced with just um uh mindless nonsense now <laughs> yeah well um, I, I, w- I will say is that i do believe that it is important for someone to have some kind of uh belief structure not necessarily in a a, a, a theistic deity but in some kind of uh greater good um mm. I, I, what i will say is that uh, the problem that I take is people that claim to know the answers and people that claim that I know what the divine is. Because it's like, if, if there is a holy deity out there that is capable of shaping the heavens and the earth, like, it is so out, so far and above the grasp of, of your, you know, descriptors. Yeah. And, and so um, they stand up and profess that, oh, I, I, I know what this great being well and then to even it's just it's just all it just it just seems to me that uh, anyone that claims that they know the answer and that it's in this book uh, is 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 in i don't know i i failed to see how by benefit of where of my birth basically we're basically all the religion we were born into some people convert but most of us it's like well i believe that jesus christ is my lord and savior because i was born in a place where my family believed that jesus christ was our lord and savior and we were in a community where we believed that and you know and i believed that my whole life and i will die believing that and it's like whatever mm-hmm. do whatever whatever but if if you were if that person was then born in india 
and they were born into a Hindu community, they'd probably, you know, be raised Hindu and believe the Hindu stuff. And that's just usually how yeah. most people are. And I don't believe that by benefit of the circumstance of my birth and just the, the, the rolling of those dice that I was somehow born into the right one. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, completely. Um, I don't even know what I was born into. Just like nothing. <laughs> um, uh, we were born guess, into nothing and returned to nothing. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I, my big spiritual thing is just to, when, when I think of something that, <laughs> I, when other people think of God, I guess I just think of like the universe and the, the trippiness that, we're all actually part of the universe and that consciousness is something that has been created out of chaos. And I can get a kind of weird spiritual buzz out of that of just like, this is so trippy what's just going on in my head right now. And the fact that anything exists at all, uh, it's a real trip. Like, um, praise, praise the trippiness. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say, uh, you're, yeah, praise the trippiness. I guess that's that's a good way to put it. I'm not sure if that's the kind of uh, uh, theology people would get behind, but <laughs> I don't know. I think that um, most people their their belief structure is built off of the need for belonging, and mm. like the actual substance of those beliefs is very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's it's people reread what they what the teaching is to fit their lives. It's very yeah. rarely that they actually like follow wholesale what is put in front of them. They usually re kind of configure that to work for themselves. Which I guess is actually like uh, if you're going to be a, a real Christian, uh, the 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 essence of it because it was all reconfigured to appeal to pagans. So if you're reconfiguring it <laughs> to say why it's okay to tell Mexicans to go back home. Uh, I guess I guess you're really in the spirit of the religion. Wow, that's gonna get me canceled. Sure. <laughs> Whatever, fuck it, I don't give a shit. Um, but uh, I, I think that uh, you know, it's you see this a, a lot in in various different um, you know like self help groups is that you can have uh, something that says uh, if 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 you had a book that said do a hundred sit ups a day. Uh, you will have one group of people that say, uh, you know, it's not actually telling you to do 100 sit-ups. It's telling you to do something. Uh, then you'll have another group that says, no, you have to do specifically 100 sit-ups. And I choose to do my 100 sit-ups every day because that is what makes me better. And then you'll have a group that says, if you don't do those 100 sit-ups, you're going to hell. So we must force everyone to do 100 sit-ups. That's just like what you're going to get. Like, it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're also just describing like the the breadth of human society and the diversity of how all humans approach all different things like uh we're a you know um we're a diverse group we all uh <laughs> approach things with uh, with very different attitudes um yeah so now that Brecht britain um is no longer part of uh the world when will it return mm -hmm. to the sea when is when are the the ocean gods going to rise up and reclaim uh, that scepter that scepter dialed to bring it back into the abyss from whence it came <laughs> uh play shatter to find out no. <laughs> um yeah i mean uh, like i do think part of i mean i'm going to bring this back into um like uh game discussion briefly but um part of the reason i went to make shatters um and it's an idea that's been knocking around for a while which is just like um how 
elitist nationalities can get and nationhoods can get like um because a big thing i hate about my country is <laughs> um this lingering elitism and belief that oh my god um, the english have a lingering elitism no <laughs> yeah well it's easy for for you guys to see it because you learn about like the boston tea party and stuff in school and you learn about all the bad things we did whereas we don't learn that shit in school you know we um going back to boris johnson boris johnson's hero is winston churchill and um most people were in britain would be like that's a fine thing winston churchill was a great man yeah, he, he didn't he didn't know, like, starve he didn't starve millions of indians who knows i mean that that was the point that i was gonna bring up like literally <laughs> like he uh essentially committed what we should really think of as a war crime like a very big one but he won so it's it's not a war crime it was just uh you know um and i mean not no um uh you'd obviously get into a very murky territory here um i don't want to like disrespect anyone who oh no uh, i mean i let me do it for you so that you can be you can clear your hands and still be a part of <laughs> the, 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 the you're not the eu but you're uh, <laughs> you know, the, the britain's fucking uk's uh, citizenship uh yeah. it, it's it's really good that he killed those millions of indians through starvation uh because he did drunkenly tell hitler to go fuck himself so it's all <laughs> forgiven yeah pretty much um he, but had also that bold, he had that bold stance that hitler wasn't a good guy so we i mean he was a ma- he was a massive racist as well like he uh some of the things he said are like just completely unforgivable and like the fact that we as a nation still hold him up or like a large part of this country still holds him up as like this um, kind of um, idealistic figure. I mean, it's the same kind of thing of why like people still think it's okay to listen to Michael Jackson music, even though the guy was clearly a pedophile and did horrible things. It's like, um, I don't know, like, but basically like a a huge um, uh, amount of this country still kind of like, really overlooks colonialism and the fact that <laughs> our country the reason our country is so uh relatively wealthy now um is just because of colonialism we're, like we nicked a bunch of wealth um and we're still kind of living off those riches to a certain extent oh like, yes okay around. so i was i was um, in i was in england recently um for uh, i was actually just on my way to poland i wouldn't be there by choice if i if i had to be um, I, I, I don't dislike England, um, but I, my, my girlfriend's in Poland. So I was like, I got to get there so I can hang out. Um, and, uh, so anyways, uh, I was, I was in England and it, it struck me. I was like, what do they make here? Like, what is, what is their industry? Because that's always <laughs> the question that I have when we're talking about, we started this off talking about, uh, uh, you know, the, the labor and things like that. And I was like, what is England actually like? What is why are they so wealthy? And there's no real answer other than the fact that they have money. And that's kind of how global finance works is that we now it, the nations that have money then invest in things that make more money because uh, it's all basically borrowing money from other people to make yeah. wealth because that's how the global economy works. Um, just a side tangent here. If you're worried that China is going to be like, oh, we're collecting all this American debt. Uh, they're never going to do that because their economy is built on the house of cards of uh, America owing them a trillion dollars. And they say, well, we have a trillion dollars because <laughs> America owes us a trillion dollars. It's all a fucking house of cards. That's why when one of the yeah. one of the these little uh, 
you know, banks collapses or something, we're, we're in threat of the whole global economy collapsing because it's, it's all built on a theoretical wealth. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a, a really good Kurt Vonnegut book called Galapagos. And one of the parts of it is that um, outside of this, uh, this island, which I am fairly certain is in the Galapagos, uh, like the world is like falling apart and part of it is uh, the economy stops and he makes a good point that like the you know nothing changes in the world like all the food all the resources is still there it's all intact but because the you know the money that we assign value suddenly is not worth the same like 10 million people are going to starve to death. And it's like, yeah, uh, that part was yeah. really, uh, eye opening to me as like, a I don't know, 15 year old. Um, but you know, if you, if you look at, uh, the fed in the United States, uh, like type in $2 trillion and give it to various businesses, uh, to like bump the stock market back up like 1% for an hour before it goes back down. And you, <laughs> you walk away from that being like, the economy is a real thing and not just bullshit. Uh, you're, I mean, what could possibly make you think that it's <laughs> like a real thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Funny thing, um, I think I read that like you can kind of trace back, um, uh, trace back a lot of it to the um, uh, Crusades and like the Templars. Funnily enough, like the Templars started doing like IOUs and kind of banking. Um, yeah, to, they like, did. Uh, so yeah. That's the lesser known thing that the Templars did. They, they, other than the Crusading, they actually did a lot of banking, financing, and then building roads and ports. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Usury is not very yeah. uh, holy of you. Would, it computers. was like the gap year thing back then, right? It was like there was a huge industry of people wanting to like go off into the yeah. Holy Land and fight. And it was like the Templars built a massive business of like... Um, yeah, they would, they would oh, like, supply a, uh, the, oh, you want, here's a loan for your sword or whatever. Yeah, like uh, they're like cashing all your stuff here, and when you get to the Holy Land, we'll give you like a, a kick-ass suit of armor, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, my po my point, my kind of roundabout point, anyway, uh, other than just kind of like pissing off all of the English listeners um, to this podcast, <laughs> um, is that like, yeah, like kind of like you're saying, like Britain is just wealthy because it spent a while just kind of owning half the planet. And um, that money is just kind of is going to slowly run out. And mm -hmm. the story of Shatters just t just takes place um, in uh, in a world where it's not a post apocalypse because there are other places that are doing quite well. Um, uh, I make reference to like uh, in my in the world of Shatter, like Nigeria um, is uh, a kind of um, prosperous um, kind of cyberpunk kind of uh place and like lagos and abuja are like these kind of uh major city hubs and there's kind of reference in shatter to people just like wanting to get to nigeria um nigeria being like it used to be a british colony um and so i wanted to have this thing of this kind of like reversal of uh mm -hmm. of fortune and um and um I mean, there's a to be to be a slightly positive. There are things that I completely I don't want to sound like a um, a complete asshole. Like there are things that I do really love about Britain, like a uh, um, a very relevant now is our like NHS um, and yeah. 
free healthcare and um you know this kind of like socialist idea um that is unfortunately slowly being picked apart and destroyed by um uh people like boris johnson um <laughs> and um so that's another kind of factor in it is um that there's a great kind of theme of um science fiction british science fiction work of just kind of um uh fear of the government and hate of the government and any sort of like post uh, kind of dystopic vision of britain is usually features heavily some sort of kind of tory-esque government um, <laughs> and similarly that that's very much the case in here like the government is still a thing they just will not help you when you get sick um uh-huh. and it's this kind of idea of like um uh this kind of crumbling and it's like this idea that um this old idea of empire and all these kind of colonial ideas that linger in britain and are kind of still kind of slightly tolerated or not really talked about because they bring in money and they can produce they still have all this money so they're kind of just ignored and it's just Mm -hmm. this idea of once all the money sinks away all you're left with is this kind of like fetid corpse of a institution that um is disgusting and doesn't help you Mm-hmm. No, it's true. I mean, I, uh, they, Britain is disgusting and decayed. I do agree. Um, <laughs> no, I know that's the, okay. So first off, uh, to any of our English listeners, we, you know, that one of the most cherished English pastimes is Englishmen slagging off other Englishmen. So this is totally <laughs> fine that James is doing this. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, also, say, I do mm-hmm. love my country as well, I guess, kind of. <laughs> so I, I I was in England for uh, I did a uh, study abroad in uh, Oxford and then I did a study abroad in Cambridge. So I'm not like unfamiliar uh, with England at all. And plus my genealogy on my mom's side is is English. Um, I have that great kind of European uh, blonde, blue eyed, white guy look, where uh, just like vaguely ugly. That no matter what country I'm in, everyone assumes I'm a local. So like I was, when I was in England recently, they were like, excuse me, do you know where the, the train for this goes? And I'm like, wrong guy, mate. I'm an American. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And then when I was in Poland, people kept trying to ask me where the trains would go. And I was like, I, I do not speak Polish. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, the, the England has given us the NHS and uh, uh, what else did they give? Uh, I guess Chavs. Like that's kind of something that they, they gave. Soccer. Sorry, what? Chavs? Did you say, yeah. Yeah. Chavs. Uh, yeah, we, we say Chavs. That's what I, sorry. I um, was, I, it's I cool. That's um, someone who reads words on the internet. I guess. No, I mean, I never made it all the way up to the, the north because why the fuck would I go there? Uh, <laughs> which is usually, you know, that's the kind of the, the border between England and Scotland is where all the Chavs are. Uh, uh, and, uh, actually, Chavs are everywhere. Um, I don't know. I went to. Chavs are everywhere now. <laughs> um actually i think chavs just kind of like died off as a as a thing now it was kind of like more of a not noughties kind of uh i don't know no one really says chav anymore it was uh it was kind of a a thing that that blossomed and died i think (laughs) oh good because i just remembered that that was uh really everyone said don't go to glasgow because that's where all the chavs live (laughs) the old joke uh i mean glasgow also gave us train spotting which is yeah, um, well, 
It also gave us uh, Grand Theft Auto. That's where the original Grand Theft Auto comes from. Which the joke is that they didn't even make a game. They just looked out their office window at what was going on in Glasgow and just wrote that down. (laughs) And actually, like, Scotland in general is just, like, the nicest place. Like, everyone in Scotland is lovely. And um, they've, like many places, just have a a slight history of being fucked over by the English. So, um, Mm. sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I um, I I I I've, I've I thought briefly about doing uh, my grad school in Edinburgh, but uh, Edinburgh is decided... a beautiful city. It's um, like one of the loveliest places to go to. It's got this um, castle kind of up on a massive hill that overlooks all the all the rest of the city, and yeah, Edinburgh is lovely. Mm-hmm. Well, I just wanted to uh, say that uh, uh, I, um, <laughs> uh, I, I just want to go and study. If I was going to go to grad school, um, you know, Edinburgh is lovely. England's great. I just want to go to some place where my accent is sexy again. Because <laughs> uh, in America, I just sound like a California dude, but in England, I'm suddenly uh, interesting and slightly foreign. Everyone in America is always like super worried about like, oh, do the rest? Does the rest of the world hate Americans? No, the rest of the world thinks Americans are fine. Just don't be a dick. That's like just basically. Yeah. But that's general life advice. Unless you're in France, which in, in which place being a dick is the standard, and they love it. <laughs> mm. It's it's yeah. well at least in Paris in Normandy they're they're different personalities. It turns out that French is a large country and they have different personalities there. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean we're all we're all essentially the same, aren't we? We yeah. just uh, we just get born and into being taught different prejudices, and then we grow up and learn that actually like we're all pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'm just rambling now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel you. So anyways, uh, we really should uh, start wrapping up here because it is is getting to the hour and a half mark. Um, But uh, James, what is uh, what where can people find more about your stuff? Um, I guess mainly uh, I'd direct people to my Patreon, which is Patreon forward slash lovely hell place and you can get the dread delusion alpha there and you know a big shout out to all my patients who um uh have like cultivated a just a really lovely community um it's nice to kind of chat with everyone on the discord and um and everything um uh also I hang out a lot on the haunted ps1 discord which are also a brilliant community of people um loads of really talented devs making stuff um you shout out as well to um my um music man dan staley um who makes music because you mentioned earlier that like dread delusion so much of the atmosphere there comes from the music and it's completely true like his music Mm -hmm. is so cool and he lives with me in brighton he's like a, a an old friend um so it's really cool that we get to kind of make shit together um and yeah that's um that's kind of me i guess mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah i would say that um you are one of those that i was looking at the grand total of the people in this project and it's like we have a couple developers that i i feel like uh uh are bigger names and then a couple that i feel like really should be bigger names like will be within a year and I, I really do feel like the your stuff it really 
stands out. And if if you haven't heard of the lovely Hell Place yet, and you're listening right now, you really should because I, I think that this is someone that you're gonna a year from now be like, oh, I remember when I first discovered him because of this other thing. That was great. And uh, <laughs> I think that you have a, a, a very bright future ahead of you in game design. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, well, hopefully I don't, um, uh, I don't know, that it will go to my head and I'll um, run off into the country. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm I'm excited to make more games that hopefully aren't rubbish. Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't played any of your games that are rubbish yet, so we'll we'll, we'll uh, you still have time to screw it all up though. <laughs> oh, I'll take that as a challenge. I'm going to yeah. make the worst game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. No, Shatter's great. The whole Dreadx collection's great. Everyone's had a really good time working on it, and everyone should buy it. Uh, Steam page should be live soon. Uh, I'm just starting to get my messages from the engine guy about the last testing that we need to do before we can upload the first build. So uh, it will have everything together, plus the the secret stuff we haven't talked about yet. Um, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, James, thank you so much for joining me, and thank you so much for joining me on this project. Thanks so much for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad it's been fun. Um, but anyways, guys, uh, check out the DreadX collection. Also check out... Uh, us on Twitter at dread underscore x underscore p be uh, and then James yours is just at lovely hell place right yeah, yeah. and uh, so definitely check it out we got a lot of really cool stuff coming up uh, we still got another interview uh, coming up with uh, Justin Renard again he's been on our show once before did, by the way did you see that uh, the the giveaway that we're doing for the Fallout New Vegas um, I think I briefly saw that um, uh, what did did he work on did he get a BAFTA? Was it something like he, he got was a nominated for a BAFTA because he created like he worked on the uh, the he created the what's it called the um, the survival the hardcore mode for Fallout New Vegas when we had to, like, oh really oh, yeah wow. Wow, that's I, had, super cool. I had absolutely no idea and he's like yeah I just I did that and I was like why <laughs> why did you lead with that like he, anyways uh, so uh, we'll talk to him again soon about all the things that he left out in his previous interview so anyways. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in, and uh, I'll see y'all soon. Bye. And then it cuts. Brexit means Brexit. Means Brexit. The campaign was fought. Means Brexit. The vote was held. Turnout was high. And the public means Brexit. There must be no attempts to remain inside the EU. Means Brexit. No attempts to rejoin it through the back door and no second means Brexit. The country voted to leave the European Union means Brexit. And it is the duty of the government and parliament to make sure we do means Brexit.